Do you live ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. It is game day. East Carolina will host the SMU Mustangs tonight inside Dowdy Picklin Stadium. 7.30 p.m. is the kickoff time. I guess officially 7.35 will be the kickoff time tonight. It'll be live on ESPN, and we're going to be breaking it down over the next hour. Of course, we've got a ton of coverage. The Patrick Josh and show a little bit later today, starting around 3 o'clock. That'll take you into the pregame show, which, of course, will take you into our live coverage from Daddy Ficklin Stadium on the ECU Sports Network. Jim Zoki will be on the call along with Kevin Monroe and Macy O'Donnell. So big day ahead. We're getting it started today on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We are live on Facebook, live on YouTube as well. Uh, we will also podcast this show in Spotify and Apple Podcast form later in the program as well. So if you can't catch it live, we'll have the whole thing later on. We're going to talk to Mark Yellock here shortly, former ECU defensive line coach, uh, former ECU defensive lineman. We're also going to talk to Joe Sampson. We're going to make our weekly picks and have fun with that. Usually we do that on Friday with Joe, but with it being a Thursday game, we're going to do that today. And then tomorrow we will have our reaction show. So looking forward to that with uh, with Joe here in a little bit, and then we'll have our reaction show, hopefully after a Pirate win. Tonight on tomorrow's show. All right, let's get to Mark Yellock. Let's go ahead and jump out to the live line. He is standing by. Coach Yellock, how you doing on this Thursday? Are you ready for some pirate football? Oh, you know what? It's always a great day to be a pirate. Hello? No doubt about that. How how you feeling about okay. tonight's game? Uh, I feel good. You know, it's one of the things. It's going to be a real test for us to see where we're at. Um. You know, and, and, and everything, I think that offensive and defensive-wise, they got some things that I'm pretty sure both of them had off weeks this week. So, you know, they, they, they're going to have some new wrinkles and, and new things they need to exploit. And uh, I think that, um, you know, SMU is, is going to be pretty pretty fast on offense. they got a lot of different things they do on offense. It's really explosive. Um, and defensive-wise, they, they, they play man and attack, play one high defense and attack. So. We're visiting with Mark Yellock, former ECU defensive line coach. He joins us every Thursday. We'll try to get him back in studio next week, but we got the game coming up tonight, so we're getting him over the phone. And, Coach, we, we kind of touched on it last week, just about what this team can try and fix during the bye week. Do you expect to see anything different tonight, especially the offense, given kind of their, their struggles? You know, And I'm sure SMU will try to come up with some new stuff as well. You know, you can't reinvent the wheel, so to speak. But do you, do you expect to see some tweaks, some, some different things in that regard? Well, I think that they're going to they're gonna do what they're going to do. You know, I, I think they work on the stuff that they need to work on. I don't know if there's what you call tweaks, because whenever people say tweaks, um, it's like you're trying to change things up. Um, you know what I'm saying? You're trying to go, go through a total change, in my, my opinion. I think they're going to work on some of the things that they, they, they need to work on and be more consistent at it. Um, and especially based upon who they're facing, like SMU offensive, um, defensive wise, they are a, you know, they're getting some odd fronts, but they'll be on the four down front and they're going to try to pressure, pressure you. And they're going to play a lot of tight coverage with their, with their, um, 
where their secondaries, the things like the safeties roll down to the tight end or they have some boundary rotation a lot, um, especially in 11 personnel and 10 personnel. They, they may play some robber and, and they play tight band or they play some one high stuff. Um, and they, and they're, 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 this allows their linebackers to be able to play full downhill and, and be a C gap and they get fitters on, on, you know, on, on run games and stuff like that. And so, you know, what ECU's got to do is just play, you know, play football. And, 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 and the, the biggest challenge is the receivers making catches and tight coverage because that's what SMU's going to give them. And the offensive line's got to do a, do a good job today in, in, in giving, um, quarterback some time in order to throw the ball and then the quarterback's got to do some things to make throws with pressure. Um, and, you know, so, so those, those are the things that I, I see the tight end tonight, more my word, the tight end tonight's got to be, it's going to be a big factor. I just kind of have a feeling on that. Just looking at stuff. Well, Joe will be happy to hear that when, when he's joined us later. He's a former ECU tight end, big fan of Shane Calhoun, number 80. In the purple and gold, and you know, for for me, coach, you, you mentioned the man coverage, and they've got good DBs. They brought in a ton of transfers with all their NIL resources, and a lot of those guys, uh, established players, entering the program. It sounds like it's going to be one of those nights. Receivers, tight ends, they're going to have to step up and win some one on one balls, some fifty fifty balls, which has been an issue at times for this unit. But this is a night to maybe redeem themselves, right? Well, here's the thing: if, if you got you got number eighty, Crosby, he's a he's a guy that they recruited. We offered him. I remember him as a recruit. We offered him when I was at North Texas. Um, of course, we didn't have a shot when SMU offered. Um, but but he's a really good player. He plays the nickel position for number one, and that's how their defense is. They play with um, essentially they play with you know two corners, a nickel, and two safeties, five DBs, and they got some really fast flowing linebackers. And they play with number fifty-five Kilgore. He's a he's a he's a pretty good backer also too. Um, but they play with uh, free-flowing linebackers that play downhill. So what ECU's got to do is number eighty. If if the safety is going to roll down to him, he needs to body that guy up. You know, and they got number zero there. I think he's their boundary safety. I think who's who's a transfer uh, who's who's pretty good. But he's got to be able to body up. You know, and I think they I like that matchup to be honest with you. Um, and get him and exploit him. They like to roll the safeties down, even in 20 personnel. So we have to win, and, you know, they just got to match up, win the matchups and make competitive catches. The biggest thing I feel is that you got to run the ball. I've always said that every week I've been on the, on the air. you got to be able to run the ball. You can't make this a passing game. But if it's a five-step drop by, um, by the quarterback, he's got to be able – to have time, and he's got to be able to deliver. He can't just be holding on to the ball because they got some really good D linemen. Yeah, they rank among the top in the country and just pressure generated. So ECU's offensive front going to have to play, and then you know Alex Flynn's going to have to get the ball out quick. Uh, that running game well, definitely important to try and slow things down. Well, here's the key. I don't mean to over. I don't mean to cut you off here, but here's oh, the good. thing: like them rush force by them playing a lot of man coverage, their pressures are coming from. One on one, five man, I mean, six, five man pressure. And it's not really a pressure. What it is is that when you're playing one high, you have two backers in, in that that's combo and off, and this is 11 personnel. That means one tight end and I mean, one back, one tight end. That means it's, it's three receivers. So, so right then, that means that they combo on the back. That means they got the back man to man. So the back goes to the left and the backer to the left, he has him. And then the other backer adds in on the rush, he either spies the quarterback or adds in on the rush. And it's based upon the protection he he adds in where he fills the holes at, and that's where a lot of their pressures are coming from. Along with they've got some defensive ends that's pretty good too. So I think that's where a lot of their pressures are coming from because when you're playing a lot of man 
man defense. That's the, and, and I get I'm, they play one high. So some of it's man, some of it's cover three, some of it's even quarters. You know, saying where they just rolling weak. You know, so so it's a lot of that stuff is dealing with that. So UCU's got to play a good advantage of of, of, of of playing off of that. And I'm pretty sure that's what they've been looking at over the weekend. They're they're, they're not difficult at all. And when it comes to their secondary, from what I've seen, and again, I don't have the coaches copy like the other coaches do. Yeah, and we were talking about that earlier this week. You know, Shane Calhoun, or if they use some two back stuff, or or two tight end stuff, or even use some two back stuff. Like, when do you try and keep that tight end in for pass protection, or when do you try and send them out? Is it based upon coach the look you get pre snap, or is it just kind of one of those things you read it post snap, and then then the tight end or running back goes out? No. It's just the flow of the game and how they want to call it. I mean, it's hard. You know, you can't just go out there in the, at the very beginning and kind of see. You got your field stages. It's like in the boxing match. You got your your field stage and you got you got your tendencies of what they're going to do. They might have some new wrinkles, but they always fall back to their, their bread and butter on defense and then off, it just anything that does that. So what you do is kind of have a feeling on how they're rotating the safeties down. If they roll, you know, go in the three by one sets. Do a lot of motion and see if they if they how they are chaining with the safeties. Um, in the back end, it means when I say chain, it means that if you go to one side or the other, the other safety comes down based upon where 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 their guy is at. Sometimes you motion and, it, and that safety still that. It means there's a weak rotation, so you can be able to dictate where the rotation's at and then be able to call call stuff off of that. I think you get the tight end out as much as possible if it's eleven personnel. Let's, you know, saying protection wise, just just get him matched up. Yeah, you want to keep him in sometimes when you see is a if they really go into all out blitz and you want to be able to have a quick throw. But for the most part, man, you just you know, just got to get the ball out of your, out of your hands and, 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 and get and, and win the matchups, in my opinion. We're visiting with Mark Yellock, former ECU D-line coach, really enjoying our X's and O's talk on this Thursday, game day morning or game day afternoon as we roll into the afternoon time. And, Coach, the other side of the ball, ECU's defense has played pretty well this year, especially if they can clean up, giving up the big play at times. But SMU's offense, very dynamic. Uh, very fast. They don't have a, really a go-to guy, which is kind of different from the past, but they spread it around pretty good, and they got a, a young quarterback who's growing, Preston Stone, who's made some plays, but also some mistakes. So what have you seen from that side of the ball, SMU's offense? Well, I say I do think they do have a go-to receiver. It's number 82, um, Russell Maryland's son, RJ. Um, he's, 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 he's what they're called a utility knife guy. If they're being 11 personnel and they're going 10 personnel, looks we're feeling flexed out. Um, and he's not a true hand in the ground down tight end. If he is, we should win that advantage. He's not a good blocker. I, I don't want to, I don't want to load nobody's gun. <laughs> I wouldn't say that if I was coaching, <laughs> but, um, I would say that to our players, but I mean, he's not a threat in my opinion. Of course, you know, he's not your typical hand on the ground tight end, but the, you know, your old traditional, he's, he's more of your flex type tight end, get in the yo, you know, run some split zones, but they try to get him out and get him going, trying to get the matchups. Because he's athletic and, 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 and everything, he's a good player. Um, I think that Stone, he, they, they try to get him going. Red zone, you got to watch him scrambling, uh, running zone read, and, and keeping the ball. They're having quarterback sweeps and quarterback counters. Um, they like to, they like to run that quarterback a little bit, especially in the red zone. They got they got depending on their personnel. If it's ten personnel, they like to spread you out, just like the UIW type deal, the guy from Texas State and that type of deal, stack the, stack the receivers and and spread the ball out and kind of and kind of do you know quick dunk passes around. You know, eleven personnel, they run your traditional outside zone. They're outside zone stretch running team, they run split zone off the outside zone uh, concepts with the offensive line. They run the seal play, which you you know try to it's almost like a zone lead uh, type concept. So I mean, they have 
per personnel groupings, they have certain plays they like. Um, and it, you, you kind of see them morph into certain things. Now, when they have, when they have 44 in a game, um, or 14, that's the other two tight ends they have, 44 in a game, you, you, you know, he ain't going out for pass. Could be match protection, spin zone action, um, or some type of run play towards him. Um, 14, he's more of the down tight end. Um, recently, um, and, and, and you know it's, it's the same scenario with him. I'm not saying that he doesn't go out for passes, but 82 is their their, their true. You got you know get down the field. 82, you know throw him the ball. Um, two running backs are really good. Um, number five is good. The receiver they got, I think he's pretty good. I think what EC needs to do is that they need to. Um, I like somewhat. I like what TCU was doing against them. TCU was playing some odd front. They'll play coverage. Drop eight, but basically having a having a linebacker spine on the quarterback because he can scramble with the ball and he can run with the ball. Now he does get into trouble, does make bad decisions. So I would say, in my mind, if I'm and again, I don't have any log to the fire. Stop the run, do a really good job. They're outside zone and running team. So you stop the run. They haven't given up a lot of sacks, a lot on offense. So um, so that's because of the quarterback, you know, making plays with his feet. So you have to do a good job of, of, of corralling him. I thought TCU did a really good job in the second half of the TCU game and um, of, of, of kind of getting them off kilter. They do run tempo, so you got to be you got to be able to get them off tempo by winning the first downs and 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 um, limiting the run games on first down. Um, and usually with guys with tempo teams, they usually run outside zones type stuff. But you'll know at the very beginning of the series what, what personnel groupings they, they start in is kind of what they kind of go with um, and, and run with that. So. I got a lot, man. Mark, yeah, a lot. Yeah. This week I've been in coaching mode this week. Yeah, I can tell, man. You've been you've been in the film. You've been in the lab, coach. You've been in the film room, but I like it, man. It's good conversation. It's something I looked at some of the numbers of pro football focus. Preston Stone, their quarterback, he's thrown four of his five interceptions against especially when teams play coverage and don't blitz. So he's kinda at times made mistakes there. Like you said, they haven't given up a lot of sacks. Part of that's due to his mobility. He also, they do get the ball out quick. So you don't just sit back all day and, and, you know, not pressure, but is this kind of going to be another chess match type of deal as well? If you're Blake Carroll, you try and, you know, maybe pick your spots when actually bring that pressure? No, you do I mean, you do it all. You do what you do on defense. I mean, you don't change up what you do, in my opinion. Um, and you are, you don't let the offense dictate to you on defense on what you're doing there. There'd be some certain things. If you like your matchups, if you like your matchups at DB versus their receivers, then play a lot of man. If, you know, um, I think you do play some zone stuff, but then I think you also have to account for, um, if you're going to be rushing four D linemen, you have to have, you have to be accounting for that quarterback getting out of the gate and, and scrambling when the coverage is not there, especially, especially if that's there. So, so, you know, I think that he is a threat running the ball. Uh, he, he gets them out of situations. Um, I think that you, you force him to his left. He's a right-handed quarterback. So, of course, he's going, so he's going to like to roll to his right and throw. Um, he will, you know, scramble around and throw the ball down the field. He's not, he's not a, he's not a, um, he's not a, like Lamar Jackson type guy who's just going to just, you know, he's open. He's just going to scramble, scramble. But, you know, he scrambles to lengthen the plays up. And that's kind of how he limits the stacks on the, on, on, for them. And, Sometimes that's how he gets into trouble. Sometimes too, because he's a, he's a, he's a he's a gambler. You know, he he'll take chances. And that's in 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 that case in that case, that's the reason why I say you 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 make him make those mistakes by if you limit him to the run, which you're making it uh, a third and long, or you're making it um, getting them off off track yardage wise, 
and make him make those mistakes by the more attempts he makes throwing the ball. You know what I'm saying? Again, you got to he'll throw the ball deep, so you got to make sure that you keep the top on the defense too, and not get beat deep on certain things and win those competitive matches if you can play tight coverage. Thursday night game, 7.30 kickoff. Coach Yillock, I, I believe you played in some of these type of games as a player. You definitely coached in them. And, look, I mean, when, you, when you're coaching, you do have to treat every game the same, and, and I understand that. But as a player, don't don't you get a little bit more juiced up for a game like this, national TV? You know you're going to be on TV. Well, I can tell right now these guys are gonna, probably going to be ready to go because it's an off week, and, and, and just knowing – just been in situations like this before and seasons before like this as, co- as a coach and as a player, that probably was grinding this week. So they can't, it's almost like camp. They probably can't wait to hit somebody because <laughs> they've probably been, been working really hard this week and trying to correct some of the stuff they need to be doing and working on SMU stuff and, and, and everything else. So the team itself is probably ready to go. You know, for myself, you know, yeah, it, it's like another game, but. Thursday night, you know, saying on ESPN, don't, you know, one of the few games that's going to be on TV at the time. It, it, that, that's also, you, know, you get a little bit of excitement because you got people, you know, you got people can be, going to be watching you. And coach, you know, SMU hasn't forced a lot of turnovers this year defensively. We've talked about it. they played really well defensively. ECU have been kind of hit or miss at times as far as forcing turnovers, but. You, you look at t- player for player, you know, maybe SMU has a, a touch more talent, especially with their NIL system right now. They're paying guys like more than 30 grand uh, at the bottom of their scholarship roster, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, how big is turnover battle and special teams on a night, on a night like tonight? Well, I want to say this right here about SMU. Like, we, you know, you talk about the money that school has. Well, if you, if you got a president, <laughs> you have a president who, like Gerald Ford is the name of the stadium. Well, I think one of the Bush kids went there. Um, so you know they and in and, and the area where they located at, it's just freaking long money there that they got there. So that, that they go and they don't draw a lot of fans there. I mean, it's not the atmosphere at ECU is bar none a whole whole lot better than going to SMU. So you know they just have a lot of they got long money there at that school. That's, that's a lot of people donating and got big leagues that donate, but. You know, you know, I just you know, I, I, that's that's kind of how I think about the SMU stuff. So, you know, when you look at tonight's game, coach, we kind of touched on both sides of the ball. What what do you feel like are the big keys? How does ECU come out of this thing with a victory and, and a much needed victory to kind of really uh, write their season? Well, again, just growing from what they 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 they, they um from the Rice game. I mean, each game you have to grow with this with this particular season. Each game you got to grow. Like, like remember now, last time they played, SMU was like seven and three, or they had a good good record, and ECU beat them. And ECU didn't have that good of a record, you know. And 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 they beat them by running the ball and and, and having a good job and passing the ball too. So I think that it, it always goes down to that. I think just like I said before, offensive wise, take advantage of the, of the rotations on the defense on the, on SMU's defense. Do O line's got to do a good job of, uh, of of protecting him with the pressures and and, and their ends that they have, uh, and and picking up certain things that they may be blitzing. Um, run the ball and do a, be a very effective in running the ball. Get over about 100 and 200 some yards rushing. Um, you maybe want to move the quarterback in the pocket some. Don't keep him in the pocket. Move him around. Um, and make competitive catches when you need to make competitive catches. 
You know what I'm saying? So, so if they're going to play tight coverage, you, you, like you said earlier, you know, the receivers and tight ends and running backs and everything else has got to make plays. Um, Defensive-wise, we got to just get them all killed and get them off track on, the, on down the distance to limit their, their speed ball because once they start going fast, that's when they're, that's when they're kind of hard to beat. Um, you got to get them off kilter in that sense. You can't let, um, can't give it any explosive plays. It, it's going to happen. Maybe one or two is going to happen because that's the type of offense they have. But you got to limit. You got to keep them out of the end zone. Keep them to field goals and, and, and win the field position, and, um, and 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 start and really stop the run and make the quarterback make mistakes um, as the game go along. And, and, and you know, and they they're doing a good job on their SMU to do a good job because they got good coaches over there too. That they're they're a good job of put that quarterback in good situations. ECU just got to capitalize on some of the stuff that if he does make a mistake, we got to capitalize on it. We just can't be dropping picks or dropping situations or miss a fumble or anything like that. We got to capitalize on all those those things and, and, and give our offense more 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 on possession. He is Mark Yellow, coach. We appreciate the time on today's program. We'll have you back on next Thursday. Try to get you back in studio, but. Great X's and O's talk today, man. I feel like uh, I'm ready to go out there and play. I'll probably get pancake first snap, but I'm ready. Well, you know, I just can't wait to hear you sing the um, sing the fight song, man. You know, that's just that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm hoping on. That's what I'm hoping on. Hey, but no, hey. but no, it, it'll be good. I hope the guys are ready to play, and 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 I know the coaches are going to be working their tails off in order to get them going. All right, Coach, we'll see you next Thursday. Hopefully I'll be singing the fight song with you then. Appreciate it. Okay, you put me in it now. All right, man. Go yeah, us two together. All right, he's Mark Gillick. Let's get our first break in. We'll come back. We'll be joined by Joe Sampson. We'll get his final thoughts on East Carolina SMU, and we will make our game picks as well, college and NFL, for the weekend ahead. This is Hoist the Colors on a game day, Thursday, October 12th. We'll be right back. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Okay, welcome back into this game day edition of Hoist the Colors. ECU SMU coming up tonight. 7.30 will be the kickoff time on ESPN, Mustangs and Pirates. We just talked to Mark Yellock. Great conversation there. Uh, we got a couple comments on YouTube. Robert said the ECU defensive front. Has been good against the run, but is troubled by a quarterback that can shuffle around the pocket to buy time. Yeah, a lot of defenses are, and I think ECU has certainly had his fair share of troubles against mobile quarterbacks at times. Uh, Craig wanted to ask Coach Yellock where can ECU's offense take advantage of the SMU defense? And uh, we'll get into that a little bit with Joe, who joined us now. Joe Sampson, former ECU tight end. Uh, <laughs> All right, what in the world is going on in uh, in Studio 94.3 The Game? I'm so glad you asked. As you, yeah. Because as we sit here right now, Holt Nailers is on a flight headed back to Seattle to sign with the practice squad. Breaking news from my best friend, Holt Nailers, giving me a little insight that he is headed back to Seattle to help. For then, those on our radio audience, you cannot see it. Uh, Joe is wearing a backwards Holt Nailers Seahawks jersey. And a bucket hat. He is in the studio. I am in the home studio, so I had no idea this was coming. He's also got the shades on, uh, channeling his inner uh, non-Sean Payton player rules. So, uh, But uh, that, that's awesome for Holden, man. Super excited I'm for very him. excited for him. What, what is this, number four? Fourth time signing with the Seahawks? Yeah, fourth, fourth time's the charm. That's what he texted me. That's how I knew. <laughs> okay. Well, awesome, man. Well, hey. 
Appreciate you sharing that on the program. Make sure we get uh, Philip to tweet it out. Right? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go get a picture of him and tweet it out. A little breaking yeah. moves. Hey. Yeah, good job, man. Big time breaking <laughs> news. Joe Sampson is our new insider here at 94.3 The Game. Um, <clears throat> Joe, how much did you enjoy the X's and O's talk from Coach Yellock? Uh, did, did that bring you back to your oh, meeting days? Oh, my days? God. I thought I was sitting back in the meeting with it, and there's nothing more I agree with than to feed Shane Calhoun. And I, I know people are sick of hearing me say this at this point. And you heard it from Craig, who asked where ECU's offense can capitalize. It's going to be at the tight end position. The mismatch between the linebackers and the safeties that are going to try and cover Calhoun. And uh, we might see Antonio Ferguson out there and, and all these different guys who could have the ability to kind of go on the in-between and play out in the flex like that could be another name that we're not sure of hearing tonight. And that's where ECU's really going to have to hammer it is finding the mismatch and getting the ball out and letting them play in space. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that they're going to play man coverage – they're basically saying our guys are better than your guys. And if you're an ECU receiver, you you know, at some point you gotta take that personal and go make plays, right? And this is that type of night, whether it's Shane or, you know, Chase Sewell, some of these other receivers are gonna have to step up. Hey, your favorite coach put it exactly how you said it. He took it personal. And that's exactly what ECU's receivers are gonna do tonight. And you have to understand when they play man coverage, they truly are saying, like, man up. We we've got you. We don't need no fancy schemes. We don't need to do anything different than what we can do and what we will do to stop you because you're not worth trying to play zone or trying to stop the big pass. And look for Josiah Hatfield early on some kind of deep shot and man coverage. I don't think there's anybody in the AAC who can run with him. And then look at Spalding. Spalding might go in between in the slot on the outside like that and give you some kind of intermediate ball and do something different. And then the tight ends are going to be what give you the short yardage and the first downs. All right, so Joe Sampson is in uh, studio with us, Philip Pilkington producing. We're going to go ahead and get into our picks, and we'll start with East Carolina and SMU. We'll do our college picks and then our NFL picks. We're, we're doing five apiece this week. Uh, by the way, each of us had winning weeks last week. Joe and I went eight and six. Philip went nine and five. Philip is now over 500 for the entire year. I think I'm eight games under 500. I think Joe is. 12 games under 500. Yeah. But, hey, we're climbing back. It's a slow and steady climb to the top. But congrats, Philip, on being the best. Thank you. It's early. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. There it and, is. Uh, I intend to uh, finish the same way I've started, but I appreciate all the accolades. And uh, let's keep it going, baby. Right Trump here, in, right now. Notes. Here we go. And we're picking against the spread. If we were picking straight up, this would be a much different uh, result as far as standings because it's a little bit easier. So let's start with ECU, and we'll conclude kind of our ECU-SMU game picks with this discussion. SMU is a 12-and-a-half-point road favorite at ECU tonight. That number has moved. At one point it was at 7, then it went to 9 or 10, and then it went now to 12-and-a-half. So almost a two-touchdown favorite. I've wanted to pick ECU guys in this football game since the bye week, but the more and more I've looked at the matchup, the more and more I don't know if SMU, if ECU can keep pace with SMU. I'm going Mustangs 31-17, and I think SMU covers on the road with a late touchdown. Joe? I unfortunately have to follow suit, I think. Given ECU's offensive prowess and the difficulty they've had kind of putting together drives and handling things to try and get ahead against a defense that's been pretty stout as far as the fight in Biff Pogies holding them off and then holding TCU to what they were and then limiting Oklahoma completely as far as an offense until probably about midway through the third quarter. I have to lean SMU as well, and the 12-and-a-half, I'd probably say the same thing, so I take SMU versus the spread. I'm a little different than you, though. I go, I'm, I'm probably a little higher. I'm probably like a 38 
to 28 kind of thing. Or 38 to 21 well, kind of thing, be, I mean. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't math. I went to ECU. Um, so that's that's where I lean. I'd probably go 38 to 21. I think ECU gets two touchdowns, maybe a defensive turnover that kind of tries to swing the game, but SMU's offense takes over. Phil? You know, uh, I'm going to do a little uh, reverse psychology here, I guess. And, uh, you know, there's always the one idiot that goes on the radio and says the team has no chance. Yeah, and then me. when the team wins, coach, like, calls him out in the press conference. <laughs> well, call me out, Mike Houston. The Pirates stand no chance to win, no chance to cover. We're losing by 30. I'm taking the Mustangs to cover. That way, when they we kick their butt tonight, Coach Houston can call me out on Tuesday to my face in front of everybody. Pirates don't stand a chance. Mustangs by 30. There you go. Thank you for your service, Philip. Wow. You know, we usually don't do this on the show on game days, but I mean, we're still seven hours till kickoff. There's probably at least a a decent percentage chance that somebody from the coaching staff is listening to this show and just relayed that to the entire team that we all picked <laughs> against the Pirates. You so just got put in the meeting. They had their, yep, they got their bulletin board material, guys. We just provided it, and I will say this: it feels like in the Mike Houston era when people you know, really start to doubt this team in certain years, that's when they kind of play their best football and coming off a bye. So nothing would shock me tonight. We'll see what the Pirates have in store. But it's just, you know, look, we got to make these picks based on what we've seen, and what we've seen is not good enough to compete with SMU's best. So if SMU shows up and plays its best, it's going to be hard for ECU to win this game. So we'll see what happens tonight, 730 inside Daddy Ficklin Stadium. All right, more picks on the way. By the way, all of us on SMU is a great thing for East Carolina. I'll just say that. ECU for the rest of the world. (laughs) Tulane, guys, this is the game of the week in the American. Tulane is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite on Friday night at Memphis. Both teams are four-and-one. Huge early season game. I'm... I'm on the Memphis train this year, boys. I'm going Memphis Tigers. I think they get it done at home. I think that that this is the year Memphis returns to AAC title contention. And maybe I don't really believe in Coach Silverfield, but I do believe in this Seth Hennigan. So I'm going with Memphis. Joe. Wow. You know, that's that's a good thing because that means we have to differ in opinion. And that's always a good thing when you have these kind of shows. I'm going to take Tulane. I think Willie Fritz is a far better coach than the entire staff at Memphis. I'm not very high on them as a whole, never mind as an offensive unit or a defensive unit. I think Michael Pratt might be the best quarterback in the AAC we see this year. I think he's a complete quarterback and his ability to kind of change games and do different things, even though he's been a little banged up, still gives Tulane the edge. So give me the green wave. Philip, yeah, I've been on high on Tulane all year. I even more so than UTSA. I think they're still a lot of like the team they were a year ago. Uh, I got the Green Wave. All right, it'll be a fun one to watch though on Friday nights. By the way, Craig Littlefield on YouTube says he took the Pirates to cover. He knows it's risky. He also says yes, please more Calhoun. Just get him the ball. Craig. Is that your cousin? No, but Craig, we could be best friends. Just come on down to Interbakes Media. You can see him, <laughs> see Joe right now in the flesh and shake his hand. Uh, Oregon, the game of the week is uh, at Washington. Two top ten teams, 5-0 and versus 5-0. and Washington is a three-point favorite. This game is in Seattle at UW. I am rolling with the Huskies. I, you know, Bo Nix on the road, whether it's at Auburn or Oregon, has struggled versus Bo Nix at home. So I'm going to Washington. I haven't watched a lot of Washington this year, but I will say just looking at their numbers, they have been ridiculous offensively and solid defensively, and I think at home makes a difference. Give me Washington to cover and win. 
Job. Oh, Washington outright as well. Well, that's where I kind of lean. I think Michael Penix is going to have a huge day, but I do not know if Washington's defense is legit. And this will be the first test we kind of see as far as how they can handle these high-powered offenses. And we saw what Oregon's been able to do the last two weeks before the bye week that they had last week. And they're just putting up points, and their defense is stopping them in key opportunities. So I lean to Oregon, especially in this kind of pick And then there's the factor of I don't know if anybody has more experience in these kind of games than Bo Nix. I mean, the guy's been in college football for like eight years at this point. How many different times has he played Alabama in Alabama? I mean, this is what he's built for. So give me Oregon, and uh, I don't want to say Bo for Heisman because I'm a Penix guy. So I think Penix plays well, but Oregon wins. But how many of those games has Bo Nix won on the road how many, in those moments? How many of those games did he have Auburn's roster? That is true. By the way, Vegas is set the total at 67, so they are expecting points. Uh, Philip, who are you going with here in the game of the week? Um, be honest with you, I haven't done as much research on this as I should have. I've actually been doing our social media stuff over here, but uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm on Oregon, man. I just uh, I think Washington's a good football team. I just don't think I've seen them play a few times here. They're quite at the level of Oregon. Oregon's already played a huge game against Colorado. The moment's not going to be too big for them. Yeah, that was at home, but uh, I'm taking <laughs> as uh, Igo has given us the UW sign on the, for the people, and uh, Joe's given us the Oregon look for the people on the radio that can't see them. But uh, I'm going UW, or I'm going Oregon. I'm sorry. <clears throat> the fight by the way, in the I'm not, Struthers. I am. Uh, I'm stoked for this game. The fact that ECU is not playing, and that this game is at 3:30 on a Saturday. Like this is so like excited. ideal. Pac-12, like, I don't, you know, we don't get to watch these teams enough, guys. I mean, from the standpoint of, like, primetime, big-time Pac-12 matchups, usually this is a 9 or 10 o'clock kickoff for ECU's playing. So I, I'm going to sit in front of my TV and watch this entire game. Every single snap. Nishad Strother has only played seven snaps this year offensively, so I'm interested to see if he plays. He's been injured. So I don't know what his status is. I don't know if you have an update there, Joe, on anything but the shot. He just told me he feels pretty good. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. All right, we'll see if he goes. Uh, maybe that will change my betting prediction uh, <laughs> if he's able to suit up. All right, another game of the week, USC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, guys, is the favorite here at home despite coming off the loss at uh, Louisville, and this is a tough spot for Notre Dame. They have played three consecutive primetime home football, uh, big-time games, either at home, obviously, or on the road. This one is at home. They had already lost to Ohio State. They had the tough uh, loss, you know, obviously, at Louisville. They did beat Duke. I don't even know which way to go here. I, I, Joe, you shook your head, so I'm, I'm assuming you're going USC. Fight on. Fight on. So you're picking USC to win outright and cover? I, I can't pick against Caleb Williams. I'm, uh, there's never in my lifetime, and that is a, a pretty decent run of college football, have I seen a more electric quarterback than Caleb Williams and what he can do as far as getting outside the pocket and throwing off platform. Yeah, I saw Cam Newton and Johnny Menzel and Lamar Jackson's Heisman seasons, but Caleb Williams is a different beast. Um, Philip, you go ahead and then I'll, I'll close it out. I think Notre Dame's season's on the line. They know they have to win this game. SC, they don't want to lose it, but they, uh, they've got, you know, resume building games down the stretch that they can still win. And, uh, when Notre Dame has a big moment, they never pull through and they do not pull through tonight, Trojans, or Saturday, Trojans. 
the <laughs> you had me going a lot of different ways there <laughs> uh, with your your thought process. Um, I don't know why. I just feel like Notre Dame is going to win this game, and so I'm picking Notre Dame. I don't like it. In fact, I hate picking Notre Dame because I think one of, they're one of the more overrated teams. But I feel like USC. This is the type of game maybe they struggle in, like against a physical defense on the road. So give me Notre Dame. I don't know why, but I'm going Irish. And our final game of the week, guys, for college, UNC is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Miami. We have kind of picked against UNC a lot this year, and they've covered every time. Miami coming off possibly the worst loss of all time. To me, this goes one of two ways. Miami either just, like, is so ticked off, they come back and they really play their best game of the season, beat UNC. But I think it goes the other way. I think UNC keeps it rolling as much as I would like to see Miami go in there and win. I think UNC stays undefeated, and I think they win by a touchdown. So give me the Tar Heels to cover three and a half. Joe. There was a wise man who once said, it's all about the U. I stand by this. Mario Cristobal has gone into several hostile territories, the most recent including when he went into the shoe with Oregon and beat the brakes off of the Buckeyes. I think the same thing happens against Drake May. I think they learn from their mistakes. This is an instance where Cristobal has done that before, trying to get the first down and trying not to give the ball back with such little time. I think he understands the game management, and he outcoaches Mac Brown. Give me the Hurricanes. Yeah, I'm on board with Just Miami take a well. knee, Mario. Yeah, just, just take, take a knee. Go, they're, they're ticked off. Just, they win this just game. Just take a knee. They win this game. All right, we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, that'll do it for our college picks. When we come back, we'll have our NFL picks. we got to get a break in. We'll also have our Anson Belt locks of the week as well on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday. All right, let's go. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. Drink up with me, Aussie Joe Ho. 194.3, the game. All right, welcome back into this Thursday edition of Voice the Colors. Game day, ECU SMU coming up tonight, 730. We had a great conversation with Mark Yellock earlier, former ECU D-line coach. Really dove into the X's and O's, so check that out. If you missed it earlier, it'll be podcasted on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, also archived on YouTube, Facebook. All right, Joe Sampson is now with us for making our game picks. We're doing it a day ahead of time because tomorrow we got a reaction show. And uh, Joe just informed us, Holden Aylers, by the way, has uh, re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks practice squad. Hashtag breaking news. Hashtag Holton Aylers. Um, <laughs> let's get into our NFL picks, guys. We've got to do this somewhat quick. we also got to do our Anson Belt locks of the week. Broncos Chiefs tonight. I'm so glad it is tonight because I wanted to watch it while I covered the ECU game. Chiefs are a 10.5-point favorite. I think they've won 14 in a row. In this series, Denver has kept the games close. I think five or six straight one-score games, despite being awful teams. That's why this line is not higher. But I know I've said quite often that I will often take double digits in the NFL when I get them, but I I can't take it here. I can't believe in this Broncos team. They stink. They can't stop the run. They're not going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think they can score enough to keep up. So give me the Chiefs to cover the ten and a half, Joe. Oh no, I was I was really hoping you would make this so this wouldn't be an America consensus pick because I assume Phillips going to go the same way I do. The Chiefs' offense is just—I mean, we saw what the Jets were able to do with the run game last week, and the Jets aren't the high-powered offense 
that Andy Reid, the walrus, is kind of built around Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And now with Isaiah Pacheco running like he stole your lunch money, and I mean that literally, there's just, I don't see any kind of scenario where the Broncos keep it close. I think it's one of those games where it's like 31-7 in the third quarter. So give me the Chiefs, and Philip, go ahead and tell America why they should take the Broncos. Uh, well, I don't have a reason. If the Broncos were named the Eagles or the 49ers, I might would say that. But, uh, yeah, this I, it's, it's hard for me to pick a team to win by 10. I'm breaking my own rule here. Give me the Chiefs. Oh, boy. So put your money Craig on the Broncos. Craig says Denver is getting smoked, and he is correct. Uh, the good news is with such a crappy NFL game on, everybody's going to be watching ECU defeat SMU on ESPN. 49ers are at the Browns, and – I'm not sure if Deshaun Watson is playing this week. I'm going to look this up real quick. He didn't practice uh, the Wednesday. Brown. Okay. But I don't know if he participated so today lo- or not. Yeah, it says looks like he's not speaking to the media, didn't do so earlier this week, sat out Wednesday's practice. To me, it looks like he probably will not play. I mean, just reading those tea leaves. Right. But either way, the Niners are seven-point road favorite. Kind of a tricky road spot here going, you know, from West Coast to the East. A little bit of a trap game. Niners have been, you know, almost invincible. They just crushed the Cowboys. This just seems too easy, right? Seven points, but I guess I'm going Niners. I feel like they're going to go on the road and take care of business, but it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland hangs around, but I'll go Niners. Joe? I go the same way. I don't care if Bernie Kosar is under center for the Browns anymore. This is not a good football team that's facing probably, I'd say, one of the best football teams in the NFC, and I think possibly one of the best football teams in the league just based on roster construction the way they're playing. And George Kittle had three touchdowns last week, and that was just because they decided to get him the football. They still have Christian McCaffrey. Javon Kinlaw is probably the most underrated middle linebacker in the league, and he plays next to Fred Warner. I, I don't care who is under center for the Browns. I take the Niners. Anson Belton Buckle Lock of the Week, Niners. There we go. Really going on a limb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're short on time. We're not, trying to make to it quick. We're running out of time. That's true. All right, Panthers and Dolphins, you should be able to make this one quick, Philip. 13 and a half, who are you taking? I'm not picking the Panthers. They get blown out two weeks in a row. They lose, but they cover. Give me the Panthers. Joe? Insert Dolphin noise here. Give me Mike McDaniels and the Dolphins. Dolphins by 30. Give me Dolphins. Uh, Eagles at the Jets. This is my Anson Belton buckle lock of the week. The New York Jets are going to cover. They're going to win this football game. Give it to me. I don't know why I'm on the Jets bandwagon all of a sudden, but I'm taking the Jets, Joe. We've been friends too long. That's exactly what that is because I agree the same way. I think Zach Wilson comes out and has a very good game from what they're compared to. I think the Eagles' O-line is banged up in the East, or the Jets' D-line. Excuse me. Quinn and Williams is going to wreak havoc on their guards. I don't think he lines up on Jason Kelsey. I think he knows where the weak spots are. Give me the Jets. How long wolf the Bill. Eagles on this one? Give me the Eagles. It's probably a smart play. Uh, all right, last game. Cowboys are a two-point favorite at the Chargers. There will be no Charger fans there. It's going to be 75% Cowboys at least. Um, I just feel like Cowboys getting hated on all week after Dropping a dropping a giant egg at San Francisco. I think they bounce back. I think they beat the Chargers and cover the two. Uh, Phil and Joe, take it away. I feel like if there's any game Brandon Staley would find a way to dominate, it's this one. So I take the Chargers and I believe in Justin Herbert. Cowboys are ticked off. They got they got embarrassed last week. They bounce back. Give me the Cowboys. Also, Austin Eckler is back. He is. 
Josh Kelly will be on bench. He is. And are the Cowboys just staying out on the West Coast since they're San Francisco? To- I think I think so. They may. A lot of teams okay. do, but you got to think Texas like is not that thing. far away no. from the West Coast. It's not yeah. like it's New York to L.A. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I bet they didn't stay. All right. We'll look that up there in the break. Let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll have final thoughts on ECU, SMU, and more to wrap up the show. We'll be right back on Hoist the Colors on a game day. What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back to the program. Got a couple minutes left. We just did our Anson Belt and Buckle Locks of the Week. Lock of the Week presented by Anson Belt and Buckle. Are you game day ready? Visit AnsonBelt.com backslash ECU and check out their great collection of Holitz belts, including ECU officially licensed buckles. Anson Belt and Buckle, the official belt of ECU Athletics. By the way, Antoine Jackson, one of the newest representatives of Anson Belt, ECU freshman cornerback. All right, so I made my Anson Belt lock the Jets over the Eagles. Uh, Phillip really went out on a limb, picked the Niners to cover at the Browns. And uh, Joe, let's hear your Anson Belt lock of the week. I've got a totally tight end Thursday, Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week. I have Travis Kelsey and Shane Calhoun anytime touchdown tonight. Take the parlay, go to the bank. I don't know if you can bet on Shane Calhoun touchdown, but tell them you have to and immediately put it all on it. Well, we know Travis Kelsey's scoring because Taylor Swift is going to be there. I assume he's playing. He is questioning. Uh, He is questioning. He's questionable. And we know that Shane Calhoun... He's got to score. You just got to throw him the ball, and he's going to score, right? Death taxes. Just throw him the ball. Death taxes and so, uh, Joe getting mad that Shane Hel- Calhoun's not getting the ball and almost cussing on air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As he mumbers under that his breath. Just make sure you have the button ready. That is definitely a – that's definitely the lock of the week is Joe – Cursing about Shane Calhoun not being thrown the ball. Um, by the way, about a minute left. If that, Joe, keys to victory tonight. What's your biggest key? Key to victory is going to be limiting ECU's uh, run defense. And when I say that, I mean not trying to put too much into SMU's rushing attack and still being able to play back and force them to make short throws to keep them in front. The offense has to sustain long drives and hit the tempo early so they can't substitute on SMU's side. Good stuff. All right. Kickoff tonight, 7.30 ESPN. Joe, thanks for the time. As always, we'll see you next week. Go Pirates. He is Joe Sampson, Philip Pilkington. Appreciate his production today back in studio and his participation as well. Thanks to Mark Yellock. Again, we'll have pregame coverage starting around 3 o'clock with the Patrick Johnson Show, and then he will continue on with that with a pregame show. Keep that rolling up to kickoff. At 7.30, of course, the uh, the, pre, the pre-show with Jim Zoki starts at 6.30, along with Kevin Monroe for the game broadcast as well. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow with you for our reaction show. It'll be a Friday reaction show at 12 noon. We'll talk to you then.